0: Let the Word of God impart. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, the Word of God is true. And it's changing us day by day. Fulfilling the prophecy even Paul spoke of glory to glory. Lord, change us day by day. And Lord, tonight we have come to hear from you. We've come to be changed by the presence that we've experienced, Lord. That entrance that we've had given to us. And we pray tonight that the Word of God would impart... And it would strike us in the soul and quicken us and stir us. Lord, we commit this time into your hands just asking that you'd have your way in every part. Lord, we just pray that you'd be with the pastor and his wife while they're away. And Brother Tony and the different ones who are traveling. Brother Murphy. Lord, you know the ones from this assembly who are spread across the world right now. Who are shedding your light and your gospel. We pray that you'd be with them and strengthen them. And be their portion. Bring them home safely, Father. Lord, we just pray for our assembly tonight, Lord, that you just bless them, be with them, strengthen them, and give them courage, Father. In this battle we're facing, we need only you. And that we cling to you, Lord, more than ever before, that we might be victorious by your blood and through your word. We commit into your hands, asking that you'd have the preeminence. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me just turn to 1 Kings chapter 20. And we'll read, uh, I want to read 30 verses, but I think maybe on a Wednesday night that might be a little too long. And uh, so we'll just read verses 12 through 22. 1 Kings chapter 20, verses 12 through 22. As you're turning there, I just want to... uh, greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful privilege to stand here tonight before you and uh, count it uh, certainly an honor. And I was very grateful for the opportunity I had to minister to the young people a couple months ago. And so just to have this privilege again tonight really means a lot to me. So I thank you for giving me this opportunity. And uh, we want to bring greetings to you from our pastor, Brother David McGeary, and the entire church Christian Life Tabernacle there in Dallas, Fort Worth. And I um, also want to say, just by chance that maybe uh, my dad may be listening, it's his birthday tomorrow. So I wanted to say happy birthday to him. And uh, I was just thinking today, nine years ago tomorrow, I was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, it's just wonderful just to see how the Lord can do something and it's, it's forever. It's, it's permanent. And uh, I know I can say that today I'm a better Christian than I was nine years ago by the grace of God and so it would just uh, be a special day tomorrow so happy birthday to my dad and um, if maybe by chance he's listening and just want to say it is a blessing to have my, my wife wherever she may be here and um, I do love her and it's certainly been the, just the second greatest gift God could ever give a man so if you're young and single God has that gift for you and it's really been a blessing to me and I, I hope maybe it makes me a better preacher so you all let me know if it's made any difference in the last month or so so let's just turn to the word now at 1 Kings chapter 20. We'll start with verse 12. And um, we'll try to go back a little bit and cover some of the first few verses here um, so that uh, we can understand what the context here. Verse 12, "...and it came to pass when Ben-Hadad heard this message as he was drinking, he and the kings in the pavilions, that he said unto his servants, set yourselves in array, and they set themselves in array against the city." And behold, there came a prophet unto unto Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus saith the Lord, hast thou seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into thine hand this day, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. And Ahab said, By whom? And he said, Thus saith the Lord, even by the young men of the princes of the provinces. Then he said, Who shall order the battle? And he answered, Thou. Then he numbered the young men of the princes of the provinces, and they were two hundred and thirty-two. And after them he numbered all the people, even the children of Israel, being 7,000. That may sound like a lot, but uh, 7,232 going up against uh, over 130,000 is not, uh, not good numbers. Verse 16, And they went out at noon, but ben was drinking himself, drunk in the pavilions, and he and the kings and the 32 kings that helped him. And the young men of the princes of the provinces went out first. And ben sent out, and they told him, saying, Their men come out of Samaria... And he said, whether they be come out for peace, take them alive, or whether they be come out for war, take them alive. So these young men of the princes of the provinces came out of the city and the army which followed them. And they slew every one his man, and the Syrians fled, and Israel pursued them. And Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, escaped on a horse with the horsemen. And the king of Israel went out and smote the horses and chariots and slew the Syrians with great slaughter. And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said unto him, Go, strengthen thyself and mark. And see what thou doest, for at the return of the year, the king of Syria will come up against thee. Let us just pray again. Our dear, gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for these words uh, that you've preserved for us, for our benefit. We pray that they'd be made alive tonight by revelation. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may have your seats. I want to, to just title the message this evening, Go Strengthen Thyself. And um, I hope you don't mind, this isn't a youth service, but I do want to direct uh, my thought towards the young people, and I'm sure you won't mind, um, because if uh, I'm sure you like to consider yourself to be a young person, and um, I know I still do, and I feel that I'm a part of them, but I want to kind of just direct this a little bit to them, but just maybe... Uh, just for my own benefit, just to maybe, and just for a little bit of participation, how many of the young people um, here tonight were at the camp that you had? Just raise your hand. And uh, so we've got a lot, of, a lot of people that were here there at the camp. And how many of you would say that God did something for you, changed your life, and you know you're a different person? Well, praise the Lord. That oh, looks like a good percentage of them that were there could say that God touched them. Well, I want to just um, share a thought with you. I don't know. Uh, you know, some of you, I'm sure, were here when we did the youth service and we spoke on the power of an endless life in breaking the cycle. I want to uh, almost do like maybe Brother Tom with bread on the other side. I was going to ask him later who the meat in the middle was, but um, I want to maybe just kind of pick up along that, uh, along that thought and just give you something that can help you as you find yourself after camp. You know, we talked about things leading up to camp, but I'd really like to give you something tonight to help you where you sit tonight. Uh, if we just look now then at 1 Kings chapter 20, we read verses 12 through 22, but just kind of for background, and we're going to speak, speak on the subject, go strengthen thyself. If, uh, at the beginning of this chapter, the story is being told that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, had gathered all his armies and the different kings against Samaria. And at the beginning of the chapter, Ben-Hadad sends messengers to Ahab, and he says, give me your gold, your silver, your wives, and your children. And Ahab just says, okay, come and get it. And uh, maybe taking the king off guard and maybe even offending King ben he said, uh, well, let me just send in my men and my men will go through the kingdom and they'll take what they want and they'll take your wives and your gold and then we'll leave the rest to the men. And so it kind of is even a, an example of how things are when you're in the world. Satan can just have his way with you. He just, call, he just says, well, let me come in and take your wives and your gold and your silver. And Ahab couldn't say no. He said, come on in, you can have what you want. But uh, then the the king Ben-Hadad said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just send in my men and they'll take the things I want and then they can spoil the city. They can take everything else that they want. And so Ahab at this point began to think better of that plan. He said, well, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to just let you come in and take what you want. Because he knew then that this king Ben-Hadad meant to destroy the city. He was going to do more mischief than just take the things he requested And so the king, he sends a messenger back and the king Ben-Hadad gets uh, offended. And so he begins to brag and boast about how easily he's going to win the war. And so Ahab kind of smarts off back. And he says, how can you brag that you're going to win the war when you're still preparing to fight? And so they kind of just an exchange back and forth.
1: And they're kind of talking trash to one another. And this finally makes the king of Syria very mad. So then he takes all of his armies and he sets them in array against the city. And so at this point, King Ahab and the Israelites, they realize that King Benhadad is going to attack the city. He had been, uh, was going to just had gathered his armies to a certain point. They knew they were there. Uh, they had probably been there for some time. But now they knew that he's going to attack. And so Israel is sitting there and they're done. There's just no way that they can withstand the Syrian army with the numbers that they had. They had so many numbers. They had a, over 130,000 men that were gathered against the city. And so it doesn't look good for them. There's no way they can win. They're, they're doomed. They're going to be destroyed. They're going to be killed. The kingdom's over. And so this reality of this, this bondage and this situation is beginning to, to come before them. And so as they're in this position and they see these hundreds of thousands of men gathered against them, a prophet comes. And he comes to Ahab and he tells him that Israel will be victorious. And, and Ahab's ha- is like, how is this going to happen? I mean, we don't even have an army. It was so sudden, they didn't even have an army. He says, who's going to do it? He says, the young men of the provinces are going to do it. He says, who's going to lead them? He's gonna, he says, you are. And he says, and you will be victorious. And so Ahab goes out and he brings the princes together, these, the princes of the provinces, and he gets 232 men. And then he goes out and he gets all the young men of Israel. And he gathers an army of about 7,232 And some historians think that maybe that seven thousand he found were the ones who wouldn't bow their knee to Baal, and so he has this small army, and this this army is no match for one hundred and thirty thousand trained soldiers. But yet he gathers them together, and they go out and defeat the Syrians. And so it was a battle which was which did not seem likely to even occur, let alone be won. And so the Israelites go out and they defeat the Syrians, and there's this great victory. They've now defeated this enemy. It's a great slaughter. And they just don't do it after several days. It's convincing. They do it in such a way to where they surprise the enemy. They put the king on the run. Everyone is scattered. And it's clear. It's convincing. There's no doubt about it. The Israelites have won this battle. And so they've turned away this threat. They had this enemy. They had this, this, this threat that was there. And it was this doom that was lording over them. They knew it was coming. Now it has been turned away. And this enemy that seemed almost impossible to beat has been defeated. And there was really no way, no reason they shouldn't have beat this army, or there's, they should never have beat this army. There's no, there was no logic to them winning. Over 130,000 versus 7,000. Yeah, before the prophet came, there wasn't even an army. And so Ahab really was uh, almost foolish in a way to brag and to boast and, and to offend the king. But yet a few men had defeated such a great army. And so there was victory in Israel. There was victory in Samaria. There was great rejoicing. There was great happiness. Because they defeated an enemy that they couldn't beat. You know, and I think we can put ourselves in this position, all of us. Because this is exactly how we feel after we've had God do something for us. After maybe a revival of special meetings and services and we experience a deliverance where God has delivered us from something that we fought for so long. God has changed our circumstances that didn't look like they can be changed and we know God has done something for us. And so the rejoicing that was in Israel is the same rejoicing we find in our lives after youth camp. After you've been to senior camp, after God has moved, after you've been delivered, you've been set free, you've been baptized, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you realize God has done something for you when you never deserved it to begin with. You realize circumstances changed when you thought they never could change. I can remember in my state, I remember, I thought, and I shared this with you, I thought it would be like this forever. You're always going to struggle. You're always going to fight. That devil's always going to... You're always going to be in that weakness. You're always going to be such a sinner. But yet God comes and does something sovereign and changes your life and you're rejoicing. It's a great victory. And you know the devil's been defeated. He's been given a black eye. The enemy has been completely whipped. Just like the Israelites did to these Syrians. He's completely chased away and it's a great slaughter and it's a convincing victory. You're not limping away from camp just hoping so. You're not just like leaving saying, trying to convince yourself you got something. You know you won. You know you got the victory. There's no doubt about it. And so we experience a great victory. The thrill of overcoming. We, we literally see demons chased away. And we, we experience a deliverance. And this is what we like to call the mountaintop. When you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you leave camp, that's the mountaintop. And you leave saying, man, I wish we could just do this all year long. Let's just have camp all year. Amen. And it's, you're all, everything's so great. You feel so strong. Even maybe in special meetings, after meetings, and in church. And you feel the presence of God move. You hear Him speak to your heart. You're on the mountaintop. You can hear voices of angels. You can feel the presence of God. You're, you're, you know that God has done something for you. And you have this confidence that comes with victory. And so you're at your highest peak. You feel like a conqueror. You know God is with you. And that enemy which seemed that you could never beat has been defeated. That, that, that temptation, that weakness, that problem, that struggle, whatever it may be, it's been destroyed. Whether it was in a special service Sunday night, or maybe as we're maybe just trying to direct this a little bit to young people, maybe it was at youth camp. Where God changed your life, revolutionized where you were, changed your situation. You thought, I could never give up that. I, I think about that all the time. It occupied me. It always was a draw me. Now it's gone. I don't even think about it. It's not even a temptation. God has done something for you. You're on a mountaintop. And you come away with zeal. Come away with passion. You come away with energy. you your daydreaming of all the great wonderful things that God's going to do through you. And maybe you come away. You, don't, you you're warned not to, but you come away making promises again. I promised to do this. I promised to do that. I guarantee you, some of you still did it. But if you come away with so much enthusiasm. You want to do so right. You want to do so many things, and, and it feels like you can do anything at that moment. And that's exactly how the Israelites felt. They had just beat this army. It was impossible. Now they really felt like they were somebody. And they were so caught up in the victory, they wouldn't have been looking very far off. And yet, so they're thinking, well, we won, and this is, we're, this, this is so great. They're thinking, this is a time to celebrate. This is a time of relief. The enemy's gone. It was coming to, to, to winter time, so the war season was over. They could have a break. This was a time to relax. This is when they could say, hey, this guy who had been laying siege to our city for so long is now gone. Let's relax and enjoy ourselves. Let's enjoy this winter. Let's just let the children play. And let's just uh, let's decorate for Christmas. Let's just have a good time. It's time just to put our feet up. We don't have to worry about the enemy anymore. But in the midst of this celebration, in the midst of this elation, a prophet comes. And this prophet comes to him and he doesn't come to pat him on the back, but he comes and gives him another commandment. Now this is the same prophet that came and prophesied and told him that they would win. And so I don't ever really want to compare myself to being a prophet. But maybe you can say it. the same preacher who came and told you what to expect at youth camp is coming now after youth camp and is telling you what to expect. Amen. And this prophet who came to them beforehand and said, you're going to be victorious, you're going to break this cycle, you're going to chase these, uh, this enemy away. This prophet comes and gives them another commandment. And in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 22, he says, And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said unto him, Go, strengthen thyself, and mark, and see what thou doest. For at the return of the year, the king of Syria will come up against thee. So this prophet comes back in a time of celebration, and he says, No, strengthen thyself. Because after this season, there will be another war. Strengthen thyself, collect your troops Fortify yourself, make allies Prepare yourself, take every measure To increase your military strength Don't be rash Don't be unwise Consider every step that you make For there's a great danger that's impending I know you defeated them I know it was a great victory I know you ran them away I know there was no man lost I know it was convincing But don't get too sure of yourself don't relax in this moment. The enemy's gone, but strengthen yourself now because he will be back again. He says at the return of the year, and we know at that time, or it's at that time in history, in those seasons, wars were typically fought from spring to autumn. And the armies would come in the spring and they laid siege till the winter. And then once the winter time came, they would retreat and then they would resume again in the spring. So even though prophets tell them that even though you've defeated Syria in the autumn time, though you defeated them in in August, though you defeated them at this time, there may be a season from the war, but he'll come again. This enemy that you defeated, you may have a break. He says at the return of the year, that same enemy will be at your door again. So he says, strengthen yourself, prepare for battle. And this is the same thing that we have to learn to do. And I'm not just saying this to the first few rows. I say this to every single one of us. We have got to learn as Christians to strengthen ourselves. We've got to learn to increase and to grow and fortify ourselves. Because I'll say now, so often we find ourselves wanting to find strength in our weakest moments. And if the the worst time to prepare, prepare for war is in the middle of a war. So, this is the same thing we must do. Strengthen ourselves. We've won the battle, we've experienced a deliverance, we've had a healing, or we've had an escape. God's done something for us. It's, it's powerful, it's, it's evident. We know it's true. We've experienced the power of God. We've def- we've seen the enemy defeated. We come away excited. We're, we're so thrilled. We're so strong. We're so passionate. But we've got to strengthen ourselves. We've got to go strengthen ourselves because there's something that the enemy's saying about you. After you leave a camp or after you're changed. There's something the enemy is saying to you, saying about you behind your back after your victory. After a Sunday night service or a Sunday morning when the presence of God moves in you, you give something up or your experience of deliverance, you feel the presence of God. There's something the devil's saying about you behind your back. Especially even for us young people when we, we experience those types of uh, uh, things in our lives at a camp when the atmosphere is right and it's primed in the ministry specific and we have a long extended period of time in the presence of God. There's something the devil says about you as you leave camp. We find it here in 1st Kings chapter 20 verse 23. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are the gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. Now, the children of Israel had fought this battle in the hills, or in the mountains, and they won. So the Syrians attribute the victory to the mountain terrain, and to their God being there. So even though the Syrians were completely defeated... They look back at that event and they say, there's two reasons why we lost. Their God is the God of the mountains and we fought in the mountains. And that's the reason why we lost. Is they, maybe our horses, because the scriptures tell us they gathered their horses and their chariots. And maybe their horses and their chariots were ineffective in that type of terrain. In the mountains, and the hills, maybe it's not the, the best place to fight with those things. So they, they say, well, we, our horses and our chariots, we couldn't fight them in the mountains. But let's get them in the plains and we'll destroy them there in the plains. And that is the same thing the devil says about us after we experience a deliverance in church service. It's the same thing he said about you, young people, as you were leaving camp full of the Holy Ghost, strengthened and enthusiastic and full of zeal. You know what he's saying about you? He's saying their God is the God of the campground. They were in the mountains at camp, they were in the mountains at church they were in a perfect environment my goodness they get them so far out in the woods they're far away from TV and the internet they're so far away from worldly influences anybody would become a Christian out there they pounded into them morning, afternoon, night service after service song, service, service service, preaching, preaching, preaching no wonder they become Christians and that's what these Syrians are saying hey look I mean this isn't no big deal what would you expect? We had our horses and chariots there in the mountains, right there in their home court. Hey, we expected this to happen. But next year, let's fight them in the plains and we'll whip them. And so the devil, after camp, they all get together and the demons get together and they say, hey, no big deal. This is no big deal. What would you expect? I mean, you get all these young people in one place and you pump them up and you say all those things to them. Eventually, they're going to agree with you. Eventually, they're going to at least pretend that they, they, they're listening to you because they want to go home. And so the demons start talking They say, hey, you know, maybe some of them it was real Maybe it was genuine You see, those people, they they get in that environment And it's easy to be a Christian It's easy to make a commitment It's easy to make a step It's easy to experience a change They say they're in the mountaintops in service They're in the mountaintop at Cloverdale Bible They're in the mountaintop at youth camp They're in the mountaintop when when they're in that presence of God But once we get them in the plains We'll destroy them there We're not worried about a few days in Washington. We're not worried about one night at church service. But once we get him in the planes at school, we're stronger there. Once we get him in the planes at work, we're stronger there. Once we get him in the planes at home, we're stronger there. And those demons start saying, you know what? Let them have that week. Let them have the service. Let them have a little bit. Because when we get him in the planes, we're stronger there. It's easy. They're saying it's easy to serve God for a little while after a great experience. They're saying it's easy to be a Christian for a season after God has done something for you like that. They know they'll run on the momentum of that. But we've got a war coming. We're going to gather a battle plan. and We won't meet them. We won't meet them there because that's the mountaintop. But we'll get them in the plains. Fight them in the plains. We'll be stronger there. So you have a mountaintop experience, you're an overcomer, you're more than a conqueror. And then the devil saying, I'm not worried about that. I'll get him in the valley. And so there's a caution that's in these scriptures. You're on a mountain, but there will be a valley. As we progress and we grow in Christ, we find that we have these peaks and we have mountaintop experiences. But if we're to continue, you're always going to find yourself in a valley. You're always going to find yourself descending into a, a, maybe a, a, a little bit harder time, a little bit darker time, a little bit more of a struggle. And it doesn't change the fact that you're a Christian. It doesn't take the Holy Ghost away from you. And it doesn't change your position in Christ. That always stays the same. But yet you're going to experience these times. And so the devil knows this. So then there's a great danger. After a great victory, you can be lulled into complacency. After a great victory, you can get comfortable. You can can feed off of so much enthusiasm and even carnal emotion that you're you're no longer diligent and you're not focused and you're not channeled. And so everything God has done for you, you you, you take all that and it's just real enthusiastic. There's a lot of zeal, but it's not directed in the right direction. And so though we find rest in Christ, we do not ever rest from the battle. And even though God has done something great for you and the enemy's been defeated and you're filled with the Holy Ghost and things are going great and you've experienced a great victory in your life, we cannot trick ourselves into thinking that that enemy will never come back again. We cannot trick ourselves into thinking that we'll never see that same situation or that same scenario will not be presented to us again. In Luke chapter 11 verses 24 through 26. It says that when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest. And finding none, he saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. So the unclean spirit is cast out. It walks in dry places, finding no rest. It says, you know what? I'll just go back to where I was before. Wonder how many demons left there have been cast out over the last few months here. I wonder how many of them have not been able to find rest. And guess where they're going to return back? Come right back to the same place they were cast out. And finding it prepared. Finding it swept out. Finding it ready. But yet nothing changed. Just been prepared. It's been cleaned out. Not finding any further progression. Not finding it. it, 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 it there's someone else living there if we could put it that way. He goeth and take it to him. Seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now what happened to this man? He had been delivered. You couldn't deny that. He had been set free. It was a victory. It was a, a great victory in his life. It was a great deliverance. But yet he never continued. He never strengthened himself. He didn't keep progressing. Yes, he was delivered, but he was never strengthened. And so the devil could come back worse than before. And the scripture is very plain. Though he had had this great deliverance and though he had walked for a season without it, he finally came to a place where he was worse than he was before he was delivered. And this is a principle in scripture. even share with you John chapter 5 verse 14. And we we heard this preached on Sunday about the, the man at the pool of Bethesda with an infirmity for 38 years. And after he's healed, Jesus finds him in the temple in verse 14. In chapter 5 of John, he says, Behold, thou art made whole. You've been healed. You've been changed. You're a different man. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. So you see, one man who's delivered walks, walks with the deliverance, but yet nothing changes in his estate. He doesn't continue. So the devil comes back and gets seven worse demons, and that man is worse than the first. And then Jesus says here, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. When you leave, don't disbelieve. Don't go back to the former things. Don't return back to your unbelief. Don't return back to your old ways. In other words, he says, sin no more. Don't miss the mark. Go, don't miss the mark. Project your energy towards something. Have a goal, have focus. Because if you don't, a worse thing will come on you. Oh, and how true it is, though he had been healed and you couldn't deny it. He had to go and sin no more or a worse thing would come on him. And in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 23 again. As we read, he said that their gods are gods of the hills and therefore they were stronger than we. Let us fight them against them in the plains. And we'll destroy them there. The same thing happened to Israel. This is the same thing happening to us as in Luke chapter 11. The seven worst spirits came out upon the man. Here in the scripture, reading these few verses, the king of Syria begins to number an army again. And for every man he lost, he was replacing it. And so the army, that's just how many people they had at their disposal. They lose 130,000, let's just replace them. And so he said, for every man lost, for every horse, replace it. But this wasn't going to be the same army. Wasn't going to be the same ragtag bunch that he lost with the first time. This time he says, take the kings away. Because these kings were not trained in war. They were not skilled in fighting and killing. He says, take them away. And put in their place captains or governors. And so he put in their place men that were trained in war. Put in their place men that were experienced in fighting and killing. And he said, this time, next time we come back, we're going to be worse than we were before. I'm not going to have a bunch of demons that are just thinking that their numbers are going to be what they need. We're not just going to come playing around this time. This time we're really going to mean it. And they're not going to meet them. We're not going to meet them in the comfort of their walled city. We're not going to meet them in the hills. We're going to meet them in the plains with an army that was worse than the first one. And that's the same thing the devil is doing with us every time we experience a deliverance. Every time we're in the presence of God. Every time we have a victory. The devil doesn't run scared and says, forget it. You know what? I tried that a couple of times. I'm just going to leave that bunch alone. The devil doesn't do that. The devil is convinced he's going to win this. The devil is convinced that he can get the bride of Christ to fall. He's convinced that he can get you to despise your inheritance of the throne and therefore make it available to him. Because that's the same thing he's fighting for as the throne that's been promised to you. And he's convinced that he can win. So even when he's been destroyed, cast out and defeated, he doesn't go home crying. He goes back and says, you know what, I'm getting worse demons. <laughs> yeah, they did good that time. But this time I'm really going to get them. And I won't be as obvious as I was the time before. I'm not going to come the same way I came last time. I'm not going to meet him in the same place as I met him last time. But I'm going to get them this time. And Satan begins to number an army against you. And he gets these demons who will be worse than the ones before. And so there has to be a warning that comes after a victory. There has to be something to remind you and tell you this is a constant battle. Even though you have a victory. Even though you can be on the mountain. Everything can seem perfect. Everything can see, be so great. You can be delivered. You know you've been set free. You know you've been healed. You know God is real. You're convinced you have the Holy Ghost. There's no doubt in it. And I would never take that away from you. And I'm telling you, it's happened. It's real. It's true. You've got what it takes. But And God has done something for you. By driving out the enemies and conquering the devils. But, once you're in a valley the same devil, the same enemy will be fighting. The same enemy will be conspiring to tear you down. And I know this, it might not be the the happy sermon you like to hear sometimes on a Wednesday night. Say, Brother Aaron, we call this hump day. We're just needing you to push us over the hump. Well, sorry if it's not a happy one. But maybe if we approached our weeks a little bit different, we wouldn't feel so defeated by Wednesday. They're in a mountaintop. You know God's done something. You know it's great, but you're going to come into a valley. And the same devil you beat is going to be there again. The same enemy that was defeated is conspiring, wanting to destroy you. So there has to be a warning. And the prophet comes to Israel and he gives them a warning. Great job, you won, but go strengthen yourself. Because the enemy's coming back and you must be ready. And I'm sharing the same thing to you tonight from my heart. It was a great victory. We rejoice. But strengthen yourself now. Because the same devil is looking for an opportunity. After this season of victory. After the mountaintop. There'll be another battle. There'll be another valley. Because look, Satan will let you have a battle. Satan will let you have a weekend. When you go to special services and, and you have a great time and everything's wonderful and God does something for you, he says, well, I'll let him have a few days, that's fine. You go to church on Sunday, he says, you know what, I'll let him have Sunday, that's fine. Get everything you can, go ahead and enjoy it. You go, to, you go to youth camp and you're in the presence of God and God delivers you, he says, well, I'll give him a, I'll give him a week. You come out of an experience like that, and he says, "Well, you know what? I'll give him a camp. I'll give him a weekend. I'll give him a couple days. I'll give him a couple months. I'll let him have their season because it's not the battle he's worried about; it's the war. And he'll he'll give you a season. He'll give you some time. He'll even give you enough time to where what he's hoping is you get comfortable, you get lazy." God does so much so for you, and He, he naturally builds a hedge around you in, the, in your youth with God, and He protects you and He does things for you. And what God is doing is he's confirming His word. He's confirming His love, He's show you, showing you that he's interested. He's showing you that he's a part of your life. He's showing you that he'll be there for you, by delivering you, by keeping you strong, by keeping you from temptation, by performing miracles, by speaking directly to your heart. God's becoming real. But then the devil wants to hold back even further because he says, if I can just let him get comfortable, if by chance, maybe without the temptation, without the edge, maybe I can lull him to sleep. And the, the same thing happened to me as a young person raised in the message, going to youth camps. And even as I shared with you before, I had my great experience at 16 years old in a youth camp. But when I got back, just using myself as an example, when I got back, I was on fire. Man, I was so full of zeal. I mean, I was telling my study partner at school, he got to get baptized and get saved. And I was, I was sharing the things of God. And I was really on fire. But after a while, I, nothing really ever changed. I mean, I was still running on the fire from camp. And six months later, it was almost six months later, I, I went to visit a friend that I had been in school with before. And I was over at his house, and the devil met me there. And I wasn't ready for it. And I thought I'd been doing fine for six months. I, I, there, there was things maybe in my life that were still had lingered around and, and God was still dealing with me and I, and I hadn't really done the things I should have and there was a lot of things I could have been obedient to. But it wasn't like a, you know three days after camp I was smoking pot for the first time. No, it, it was just kind of, I had six months. But I found myself in this situation with this friend and we were going back and we were looking at something and it reminded me of something. And in that moment the devil met me right there and I wasn't ready. The battle was there, it was set in array. I was being attacked, I wasn't ready, I didn't know, I didn't even know what the sword was to use. I was like, man, I, I'm on fire, I'm zealous, my life's been changed, I've been living good, but, but what do I do in a situation like that? Find the strength, overcome it, Aaron, do something, and it wasn't there. Because I hadn't strengthened myself. I hadn't prepared myself, and I went in the world for five years worse than I'd ever been before. And so for my example, I look at myself, the devil met me and I wasn't ready. But I know a lot of you know my brother Matthew. God met him at the age of 21. He had an experience with God. And brother Martin Woman here, a part of your body here was a, an important part of that. Actually, one of the main parts God used over a period of just a few hours to change Matthew's life. And my brother Matthew had his life changed in a moment. Just through fellowship with brother Martin and just God dealing with his heart. He made a decision, I'm going to serve God. And in that moment, basking in the glow of of salvation and basking in the glow of his presence, the the devil made a a little bit of a mistake that he didn't quite make with me and I wish he would have. The devil went ahead and told Matthew what he was going to get him with later. And Matthew was just rejoicing in the presence of God. Thanking God. The devil said, don't worry. I'll get you through TV. And Matthew said, Okay that's where you're going to get me i'm going to take care of it right now and he went up into his room and he put a pair of bolt cutters through his television set and he said these words devil how you like me now (laughs) so brother martin made him a shirt that said bolt cutters 2000 on the back it says how you like me now (laughs) and the devil just made the devil got caught up in the moment the devil's like well I, i can't lose matthew Man, this guy is too good to lose. I can't lose Matthew. So he he, he just panicked. They said, don't worry, I'll get you through television. What was it? That was the thing that Satan would have used as a snare just laying there. Day after day, day after day, just waiting for the right moment. But the devil vocalized it. So Matthew said, okay, I'm going to take an affirmative step here. I'm going to do something to make sure that doesn't come back to haunt me. And he dealt with it right then. And he made an affirmative step. He took action. He was obedient. And he dealt with the situation. And I can say his testimony is first from that day. And he hasn't had the experience of going back and falling and going through the cycles from that moment. But the difference was I went for a season of six months being low to sleep. And then the devil got me. And the difference is, is you can take, you can heed the warning. You can listen to the ministers that are telling you what to expect. You can hear it through the word of God and heed the warning and not get comfortable and strengthen yourself now and prepare for the war. And so the prophet told Israel, strengthen thyself. And this is what we must do for ourselves to prepare for the battle. Strengthen ourselves. Keep pressing. We're on the mountaintop, we're victorious. Now is the time to strengthen yourself. Right now, it may not seem like the time to train, but now's the time to train. We like to rejoice, we like to have victory, we like to have a break, we like because it was such a struggle in the world. It was so hard, it was so dark, it seemed so heavy. And then when you're free, you just want to take time to enjoy it. But now's not the time for vacation. Now is not the time just to enjoy. Now is the time to prepare for battle. Not time to relax. Not time to blindly enjoy the break from struggling with the things of the world. Now is the time to prepare for battle. And if you look at our text, verse 22, the prophet said a few things to him. He said, go, strengthen thyself and mark and see what thou doest. I just want to share, I just want to go through these things here, to strengthen yourself, mark, and and see what thou doest. To strengthen yourself means to become firm or go stronger. Obviously, to increase your strength or energize yourself. And there's probably no time you feel stronger than after a victory. I I think back to my days after I first came to the Lord, and it seemed like I had more faith then than I ever had. And you have so much passion and so much strength, and you feel like it can't get any better. You feel like you can't get any stronger. You think, well, strengthen myself. I'm the strongest I'll ever be. But it's in that moment that you have the momentum to really begin to train. It's, it's in this time of revival. It's in this season of rejoicing. It's in this season of victory where God has done something for you. The devil's been defeated. You have this presence with you. You have this zeal. You have this enthusiasm. You have these ideas. It's during that time you want to begin to strengthen yourself. It's at that moment you begin to say, now, what can I do to be a better Christian? What can I do to be sure I never make that mistake again? What can I do now to beat the devil later? And so now is when you have to start feeding. Now is the time that you have to start exercising in order to grow more in Christ. I, I noticed a distinct difference between when I was 16 and when I was 21 and came to the Lord. When I was 16, boy, I was enthusiastic and I was on fire. God did something for me, but I never fed. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't praying as much as I should. I wasn't listening to the tapes. I still had other things that kept my time. Was I running out with the wrong people? No. Was I going to the wrong places? No. Was I maybe playing too much video games? Probably. Would have I been on the internet too much? Probably. If we would have had it back in those days. And there's a difference between what I did when I was 16 and what I did when I was 21. When God did something for me when I was 21, I studied the message just everything I could get my hands on. I was listening, I was studying, I was reading, I was feeding. And so there's a difference when you're just going to ride on the enthusiasm of an event gone past. You're going to run out of a momentum eventually. And the strength is there, you know, it, so you can feel it. But you've got to feed in order to sustain your growth. Any person who... Uh, it, it, it likes to train or work out And be shaped Knows that you have to have a proper diet With, with exercise in, in, order to, in order to be healthy And one will work against the other If you don't do the other right And it's the same thing in Christ It doesn't matter how much you shout How much you lift your hands How close to the pulpit you sit You can have all the exercise And you've But if you don't feed If you don't have the proper diet If you don't have the right atmosphere You will not be growing in Christ and so now is the time to feed. Even Peter said this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Peter knew what it was that would make you grow. It was the milk of the word. So he's saying, desire it, long for it, crave for it, have to have it. Hunger and thirst after saying, Lord, feed me, give me a drink. Let me have some of that milk, Lord. Let me have some of it that I may grow as I drink it and as I feed on it. And it's in this time of victory and strength and maybe distance from battle. That's your time to feed. That's your time to learn. That's your time to grow. Desire the sincere milk of the Word. Now's the time to feed on the Word of God. Now's the time to get into the message and learn about it. Now's the time to listen to tapes and read books. Now's the time to ask the questions. Now's the time to get around the atmosphere of God. Now's the time to talk about it. Now's the time to fellowship around it. Now's the time to get around it. Now's the time to spend time with your parents who are strong. Now's the time to get around the people who are strong. Right now is the time to feed, and draw everything you can from the body of Christ. It's not your time to be in the sun and say, Hey, look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've overcome. No, it's, right now is not your 15 minutes of faith. Right now is your time of humility. Right now is your time of service. Right now is your time of training. Right now is your time of learning. I know we have a lot of passion, a lot of zeal, and sometimes we like to talk about how excited we are. And and we'll say, well, a lot of these people don't do this, and I'm going to do that. And all these old fogies have been in the message for so long. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to show them something. Oh, humble yourself. Humble yourself. And say, Lord, teach me. Lord, train me. Lord, show me what I can do to be a better Christian. Lord, I know I'm weak. Lord, I know I'm young. I I know you've done something for me. But Lord, strengthen these hands for war. Strengthen these hands for war, Lord. That I may fight. Give me wisdom with my zeal. Feed on the word of God. Get into this message. Listen to it. Get around it. Let it be in your hearts. Let it be in your mind. Talk about it. Young people, when you're together, talk about the word of God. Don't talk about entertainment. Don't talk about sports. Don't talk about one person to the other person and relationships and this hobby and making money and going to school and getting married. Talk about the Word of God. Fellowship on His presence. Fellowship about what He's done for you. Ephesians chapter 3. There's many great things in that chapter. Even if you just read verses 14 through 21. But even Paul said that He would grant you According to the riches of His glory. To be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Though this inner man has been enlightened to life. Though it's God inside you. Though it's deity veiled in flesh. You need to be strengthened by that Spirit in the inner man. The inner man needs to be strengthened. It needs to be fed. It needs to grow. It needs to increase in wisdom. It needs to increase and grow into the stature of a perfect man though all may be laying in there potentially by the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the seal of God it must take the proper watering the light the right presence of the sun the right reflection of the word of God to begin to cultivate and nurture that character of Christ inside of you and bring it to the front just as a potter standing over a lump of clay will pour that water over to get the impurities out and the rocks out. You say, Lord, put me on your will. Lord, shake me. Lord, water me. Bring out of me anything that's wrong. Strengthen me in the inner man. Now's the time to humble yourself and say, Lord, take me further than I've gone. Lord, give me strength. Lord, I know you've done something for me. I tell you what, young people, it's such a, a great thing where for so long, we said, Lord, deliver me. Lord, save me. Lord, give me the Holy Ghost. And that was our prayer every time finally God does something for us. And it seemingly seems like we don't have anything to pray about anymore. It's like, man, I've been saying the same prayer for 12 years. Give me the Holy Ghost. Lord, now that i got it, what do I pray about? Lord, strengthen me in the inner man. Lord, make it grow. Let it increase. Lord, let let me be a strong soldier in your army. Lord, let me be faithful. Lord, let me not make mistakes. Lord, keep me from falling. You have to learn to do it now. Lay the pattern now. Be preparing for the weak moment while you're strong. And this is so important to remember when things go bad. We have to learn to strengthen ourselves now. Learn, make, develop the habit now. Lay the right pattern now. Because one day you're going to get caught in the battle and you're not going to have time to figure it out. You're not going to be able to say, hold on Satan, just give me one more week to pray about this. Time out. Hey, push pause on this video game here. I'm going to go back and I'm going to get ready for this. You don't have that opportunity. And one day you're going to get put in a situation. Where you going to say, okay, now what do I do? How do I react? How do I respond? And you're not going to have time to prepare. So you have to learn to strengthen yourself now. Learn the habits. Learn the things of praying and reading your Bible and discerning. Strengthen those things that you might get to a point when, whenever you're put in that situation, it's instinctive. Just as an example, learn to do it now. Preparing for the weak moment now. In 1 Samuel chapter 30. David and his men are returning from the battle and the Amalekites had come and burnt their town, taken their wives, their sons and their daughters and all their their possessions. And David lost two of his wives and they come back and the men are looking at the city and they're looking around and they're saying, man, what has happened here? We've lost everything. And they've just come back from war. They're all worn. They're all tired. David the king certainly was under much distress and he had lost his wives too. And everyone's mad and getting upset. And guess what? They turn on David. David was in the same boat they were in. But in verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and his daughters. And there's David in this situation. He doesn't have his family, and now his own men have turned against him, and they're wanting to kill him. And what was David to do? What could David do in this situation? In 1 Samuel 30, uh, verse 6, says, David... But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. In that moment, when everyone had turned against him, he had nothing. David knew to go to his tent and encourage himself in the Lord, his God. He had laid forth the pattern. He had exercised it daily. He knew how to do it. So in the moment of weakness, he didn't say, oh my goodness, what do I do? Oh my goodness, someone call a prophet. Someone call the pastor. Oh no, get Brother Tom over here. What do I do? He said, I know what to do. I'm going to go to my tent and I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord my God. And that word encourage is the same word in 1 Kings 20, 22. He strengthened himself. He knew how to do it. Why? Because David had learned to encourage himself. Because it was David's practice to find God in the worst of times. Because he said, at what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And it, it was said of David one time, when he was at his wit's end, he was never at his faith's end. When his human mind just came to an end, I don't know what to do. His faith never came to an end. Why? Because David was just not somebody who encouraged himself in the weak times. David was not somebody who waited for a time of trouble to call upon the Lord. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Early will I seek thee. In the days of my youth will I find thee. David was the kind of man in the good day he'd praise him. In the bad day he'd do the same. He sought God. He desired God. My soul thirsteth after God. David made it a habit, not just when things were looking bad, but he made it a habit to find himself in the presence of God continually. What was it? He laid the pattern of finding God in his presence and in that secret place so that when he was out on the field in battle and his own men would turn against him, he had a secret place he could go to. When he didn't have the bosom of Jonathan. When he didn't have the help of his advisors. When his army wasn't his strength and his support. When even his own wives and children were gone. David could turn to a place and say, strengthen thou me. Strengthen me, Lord. He knew how to do it. Why? Because when he had the day as a break from battle, he strengthened himself. When things were going good, David strengthened himself. He learned to pray. He learned to study. He learned how to approach God. And he knew how to do it with, with rationally, rationally. He knew how to do it in the right mind. He knew how to do it humbly and reverently in that time of strength, boldly coming before the throne of God and saying, Lord, thank you for what you did for me at camp. Lord, I've been walking for two months now free of lust. Lord, I've been free of this desire to do that. I haven't, I haven't done drugs. I haven't done this. Lord, I've been at every surface. Lord, I know your Holy Ghost is real. Oh God, I love you so much. And he learned how to conduct himself before the King. He learned how to talk, he learned how to pray, he learned how to commune with God. And sometimes if we don't lay that pattern and strengthen ourselves now, we go to God in a panic. And God hadn't heard from us in weeks, and we come busting in the door. Oh God, I don't know what to do! What's going on? We don't know how to talk to God. We don't know how to approach the king, we don't have the right approach, we don't have the right attitude. And God's saying, hey, I mean, come on now. There's a right approach to the throne. And if you can learn to strengthen yourself now, prepare yourself now, you'll learn how to prepare yourself in a time of trouble. It'll strengthen you. As David said, when I cried, thou answered me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. In that time of trouble, there's no better time than now to build. Now's the time to do it. Don't wait until trouble. Prepare now. Just thinking of the example of David. It only took David just a few moments to kill Goliath. It wasn't a long drawn out battle, it's strategy. I mean, it was very simple, just a few moments. But you, did you know David didn't beat Goliath that day on the field? Uh uh-uh. It wasn't those few moments before Goliath that he won. David had beat him long before in the line they bear. David had beaten Goliath long before, being faithful in his father's business. David had beaten Goliath long before he met Goliath on the battlefield. He beat him in the lion. He beat him in the bear. He beat him in obedience to his father. He beat him in service long before he got on that battlefield. He beat him long before when he humbled himself to God. It wasn't that moment that David beat Goliath. And the battle is never won when the armies meet on the field. The battle is won days and months and years before in preparation. In any war, the battle's not won when the enemies engage themselves. It was won in preparation. And just as much as it's not won when they meet, it's not lost when they meet. A battle is lost days, weeks, months, and years before the battle. They're never lost the day they're fought. The results merely become manifest when the armies meet. You're not going to find yourself in a weak moment and fail and say, well, I failed today. No, you failed long before you got there. Something was not right before that moment. Something was missing. Something got out of step. Something got out of harmony with God. Long before that moment. The results merely become manifest when we get on the battlefield. So we need to seek God today. While we're strong. While we have a clear mind. While things are going good. While we have the momentum. While there seems to be a rushing. While the presence of God is there. We need to seek God today to get prepared for temptation tomorrow. Right now is the time to begin to learn and train and study so that you can meet the enemy. Because if you meet the devil without having first met God, you'll lose. And I say you can only lose. You can't win. If you meet the enemy without having first met God, you can only lose. So we have to learn to strengthen ourselves. And then he says, Mark, strengthen thyself and mark. Mark means to know, to learn, and to understand. It's okay if I just go a little bit further tonight. Thank you. It says we need to mark, which means to become wise. In other words, learn the ways of God. Mark yourself. Here you are after a victory. Now mark. Take a step back and learn the things of God. Learn the tricks of the devil. Brother Branham said in the message, how can I overcome? Overcome means to recognize the devil at every one of his tricks. So you want to be aware and perceptive in order to discern the tricks of the devil. And now is the time to learn them. Don't learn them by experience. Learn it by wisdom. A smart man, I guess they say, a smart man learns by his own mistakes. A wise man learns by the mistakes of others. And you can gain godly wisdom now by listening to the word of God. By being perceptive. By looking and examining and marking to learn what the devil does. Learning how he does things. Learning what situations come back to haunt you. Knowing that if you're in the wrong crowd, you're out of the will of God. Knowing that when you fellowship around things in the world, you're planting seeds. Knowing that when you think about something, it'll be manifest as fruit in your life. And you begin to learn how Satan works and you can gain wisdom by marking, learning, and understanding now. Because the scriptures teach us to be sober and be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, it has a roaring line, walketh about seeking whom he may devour He's diligent. So we must mark. In other words, be awake. Give attention to. Don't get caught sleeping. I know one thing we really want to do after a long day of battling and struggling. We want to go home and go to bed. And then maybe in the spiritual after you've struggled so much in the world and you have a victory. You think, well, now I'm just going to cool off for a little bit. Do not get caught slouching around. God has done something for you. It's the grace of God. It's a miracle. Don't take it for granted. Don't don't lose sight of how tremendous it is. Don't lose that familiarity with His presence. Don't get comfortable with what God's done for you. Always keep that that edge about you to mark. Be awake. And do the things you know to do. Do not leave anything undone that you know you should do. If you know that you should do a certain thing, do it. Don't leave it undone saying to yourself, it doesn't matter today. I know I should get rid of this, but I'm, I'm feeling so strong and comfortable. I'm not worried about that right now. Don't do that. Don't leave certain areas of life and get comfortable where you've been victorious and use that as an excuse for where you're short. Oh, you see that so many times of young and old. They're so religious in some areas, they use it to justify their lack of Christ in others. Well, what does it matter then? You know, I got a television and I, and I do this and I do that because, hey, after all, I pay my tithes. I'm there every Sunday. They're not. And they use religion to hide behind. And they hide behind their religion telling themselves, oh, I'm okay. Let's not make the same mistake. Yes, God has done something for you. Yes, you're further down the road. Yes, you've got the Holy Ghost. But that's no license to sin. That's no license to make mistakes. Yes, God will forgive you. Yes, He'll give you another chance. But the love of God inside of you will constrain you. Say, Lord, keep me faithful. Don't be worried if they, don't be worried if they call you a legalist. If they're, if they're, if they're a legalist and you, you're right in the middle of grace, they'll say, oh, well, he's just in license. Do whatever you want to do. But if you're right there in the middle of the grace, all those people in license who think you can just run off and do that—they'll say, "Oh, he's just a legalist." And where are you? Right in between in liberty. Amen. Got the legalist on one side calling you a license. Got people on the other side saying you're in legalism. What are you're in the perfect liberty of Christ? Right. Don't leave things undone that you know you should do. Be obedient to the Word of God because all of the Word is important. Amen. Don't get lazy. Do not get lazy in our youth. Don't get lazy. Don't take comfort in the fact that maybe the demands on our time is not as great as it may be when we're older. Don't get caught in the fact that we don't have so many obligations as as parenting and paying the bills and things like that. Use that time that you have not to be lazy, but to work and to serve. Use this time that you have now to do things for Christ because you will never have more time than the time you have right now. Mark, which means to know, learn and understand, be attentive, be watchful. Now we're going to read the second part of that quote. Brother Bam said, "Overcome is to recognize the devil at every one of his tricks. He says, And then, because there's more to it than that. And then, the same time you recognize him and know that he's the devil and he's against you, then to overcome, so there's two parts to this. I know we, a lot of times we just read the first part, but there's two parts. To overcome, you must recognize that the God in you is greater and mightier than he is. And that the one that's in you has already overcome him. And by his grace, you're more than a match for him. Amen. That's real overcoming. That's what you can do right now by marking. Is recognize what you have there inside of you recognize, explore the promises you have recognize the depth of what you've received by the baptism of the Holy Ghost that no devil should stand before you that he that is in you is greater than what is in the world that he's already overcome every temptation learn more about this God that you have in your life about how detailed he is how specific he is with the details in your life and how involved he wants to be we can, we, as young people, we have to realize that we can get so caught up in our experience that we leave God out of it. That may seem impossible, but we're so enthused and we run on so much emotion. Because there's going to be emotion tied in with the real move of God in your soul. It's going to be there. But you'll, you'll move out of that realm more into a pure emotion. It's not perverted. You're not doing the wrong things. You move into that realm of emotion and you leave God behind. You don't don't realize God wants to be involved. Even though you're making the right decisions, not doing anything wrong, He wants to be involved. So learn more about this God you have in your life, how detailed He is. So strengthen yourself in Mark. See what thou doest. For at the return of the year. When He says, see what thou doest, again, it's it's a lot like Mark, but it means to have vision. Inspect. Inspect examine what you're doing in order to perceive see what thou doest and it is similar to mark so it's almost like emphasis mark see what you do mark look at yourself examine yourself and it should alert us to see how important it is to see what we're doing to recognize the things that we're doing i'd maybe like to put it this way don't be blinded by the victory You see it happen in the natural world a lot of times where somebody experiences a great defeat, whether it be in an athletic contest or maybe even business. They do something great and they get blindsided because they got blinded by the victory. They were only looking at one competitor. They're only looking at one avenue. They're only looking at one channel. And they got so caught up in the victory, they gained a false sense of security. And we must not gain a false sense of security in this victory. We must not ever think, oh, it's over, it's so good, I'm such a good Christian. You should humble yourself. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And I think the neat thing here is Paul's not even taking it away from him that you're standing. He's given it to you, the fact that you're standing. Because he says, take heed, lest you fall. If you were fallen, you couldn't fall again he says, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that you stand. But he says, take heed. He that thinks he's standing, take heed. Watch, be circumspect, be obedient, lest ye fall. Hearken to the word, look and beware and observe. For no temptation will take you, but such is common to man. In other words, the temptations that take us are the common ones. It's not something far out in left field and said, well, who would have thought that I would have been kidnapped and made a slave to smoke pot every day of my life. It doesn't happen that way. It's the common temptations. There's no temptation that taketh you, but such is common to man. So take heed if you stand, young people, watch and mark and observe that you never fall. Because it'll be that common temptation that comes. And catches you off guard. Those scriptures tell us that pride goeth before fall. And I've witnessed this in young men especially. You'll see a lot of times in young men who come so strong and so on fire. There's, it's never coupled with humility. And you can almost predict that they'll fall away. They're the ones that's knocking on the pastor's study. Can I take the service tonight? I feel like I got a call to preach. Brother, you just got baptized son, this morning service. Uh, They're so eager, they have so much zeal, but they never came humbly. Pride goeth before a fall. Take heed lest ye fall. And, And many times, after you've come in this great experience and been in the presence of God, the margin of error is much smaller. Whenever God has done something for you, you're going to be more accountable. God's not going to give you some great victory and then just let you off, He's going to hold you accountable. And so many times the margin of error is smaller where because before it might have taken days for you to get to that point where you know you're not in the right spirit. Now it can happen in the snap of a finger. Some of us have been maybe serving the Lord a little bit longer. You've witnessed it. You've been in service and the presence of God rejoicing and you're not even out of the church parking lot and you've already got t- turned around in your thoughts. Why? Because the margin of error is smaller now. We have got to be so much more faithful, so much more diligent. So we have to watch what we're doing and consider the consequences of what we do. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. There's going to be something that happens in response to the things that we do. So it's not all free. We just don't have a bunch of do-overs. We don't have a free try. Whatever you do is going to come back on you. So we have to be observant and watch because the little things will be magnified. So watch what you're doing. And fix your eyes on the right things. See what thou doest. In other words, have a vision. Have a goal. Just do not be blindly serving God. David said, I have set the Lord always before me. And the Proverbs say, where there is no vision, the people perish. So have a goal. Don't just say, well, bless God, I'm going to create squirrels by tomorrow afternoon. No, have a goal. Have something that, that's solid, something that's humble. Something that tells you, this is what I want to be. This is how I want to grow. These are the things I want to do. Put that statue of a perfect man before you. And by eyes of faith, walk into it. Make that your goal. Make it your aspiration to reflect Christ in every decision, every circumstance, every situation. Not just on the mountaintop, but in the valley. Not just at church, but at school. Not just at home, but at work. Just try to close here. We need to strengthen ourselves. After this mountaintop experience. Great victory. A great experience. But it's not time to relax. It's time to take what God has done for you. And use it as momentum. Momentum. For him to do something else for you. It's time to take that experience and build on top of it. It's time to take what he's given you and add to it. Now's the time to do it. It's not the time when you're in the temptation to reach around and try to find your sword. Learn how to handle it now. There's no place in the Christian walk where we ever stop. There's no place in the life of a Christian where you ever stop growing. It should be growing stronger. It should be growing more, much more passionate. My wife Elizabeth was mentioning to me, to me today that how she re- respected Brother Tom's testimony about how after all these years of serving God, he still has zeal and enthusiasm. Still seems excited about it. Many times we can look at ministers like Brother Ed and Brother Tony and Brother John and Brother Tom and we kind of put them in a separate category. But it's an, it's an example before you of how you should be in the, as the years go by. Not just excited about God because you're a preacher But excited about God because you met Him face to face And there should never be a point in our walk with God Where we ever stop growing, stop desiring, stop learning Or stop understanding I'll put it this way Never be a static Christian Staying in the same place Never be that young people Never be in the same place again Don't get happy with where you are now Be grateful and thankful But say, Lord, I want more We should be interested in becoming more than an average believer. There's way too many average believers. Be more than just an ordinary teenager. Be more than just the average believer. Don't just warm a church pew. Set it on fire. Be on fire for the things of God. Not just today and a few months after camp, but every day for the rest of your life. Our experience should not just amount to one victory. But victory after victory to a total deliverance. And when God has done something for you, no matter what it is, and I I maybe shouldn't apologize, but I'm sorry if this seems real directed towards the young people. But any, any of us who've ever experienced a growth or a victory or overcoming in our lives, when God has done something for you like that, He's empowered you to deny all sin. When God has given you the Holy Ghost, He's empowered you to completely overcome. And you have to fight. You have to be ready. You have to be observant. You have to be on guard. You have to be vigilant. All these things to, to what God has shown you. Strengthen yourself. Because if you don't strengthen yourself, you're only putting yourself in position for failure. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Strengthen yourself by His Word. Use the energy you have now to grow. Just you got to take this time to dig into the things of God, become familiar with the things of God, become get gain gain a greater depth. Because I can promise you, you'll come to a place in your Christian experience where you'll feel as if you're getting nowhere, and you'll come to those places where you'll look back and you'll be like, "Have I done anything or gone anywhere? The last few years, what, what have I done? What have I accomplished?" And you must be able to grow now, get as far as you can. Take this energy, take this momentum and feed on it and use it to grow. Be diligent today so that you can overcome tomorrow. Because as we read in 1 Kings chapter 20 verse 23. The servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are the gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. And that's what the world is saying about you right now. Hey, two month revival for the young people at Cloverdale? It's nothing. That's no big deal to us. We expected it. You know, those ministers have been taking so much time with those young people. People. They've been paying attention and they've been having services and they geared everything, they structured everything right. And oh, and maybe those guys got together and planned it. They all said the right things. And hey, they had their big powwow and their big pep rally. What do you expect? I can explain this. The devil right now is telling his demons. I can explain this. Explain why the first five rows on this side, the first five rows on this, the first five rows are full of young people. Yeah, I know we haven't seen something quite like this in a while, but hey, I can explain it the mountaintop man and they're young people they can be dedicated for a while but eventually they'll lose their attention they'll get distracted eventually and one by one one of these young people they'll walk off that mountain and go right into a valley and the demon says man but did you hear those testimonies man, they stood right here and they were, they were testifying and they were saying what they're going to do and they were so zealous and man, it was so powerful and you should have seen that those people, something's happened the devil's like, I know, mountaintop. Don't worry about it. One by one, they'll leave that mountain and they'll go into the valley. And in the valley, we're stronger than they are. Their God's a God of church. What do you expect? It's easy to be a Christian on these front rows. It's easy. I don't mean any offense to you. But hey, it's really hard to, to, uh, to sin against God when you're sitting between two guys who are pumping their fists, saying amen and rejoicing in the presence of God. And I'm not trying to take anything away from you. But you know how hard it gets when you go home. Character is what you are when you're all by yourself. Not with 800 believers standing behind you. You know what you do when you go home to your quiet place. You know what happens when you come down that mountain into that valley and you're in the plains of your room. You're in the plains of school. You're out there in the plains. I mean, it's not the same devil. It's not the same demons. They're worse this time. And they're hunting you and they're pursuing you. And I'm telling you right now as you come down off this mountain, Strengthen yourself Strengthen yourself As you leave and come And you're coming to this place of the plain The devil's going to meet you And I'm telling you right now In the middle of this revival In the middle of this enthusiasm When you have this strength Call upon God more than you ever have before Call upon God not just in rejoicing But needy Call upon God as a needy, humble servant Call upon God as one that is in need Who desires more, who needs more not arrogantly, oh Lord, I know I've made it, but Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And you know, I, I'm standing here right now just sensing by the Spirit that some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're in it right now. And you're, telling, you're saying to yourself, I know exactly what he's talking about because I'm in the battle that he's talking about. And you've come off the mountaintop. You might have been one who was testifying right here not too long ago talking about all the things you were going to do for God. And where are you now? Almost in the same place you were before. And I think about Samson. Samson had his strength for a long time while he was running around with the world. Flirting with the world. He still had his strength. But it finally came to a place one day where it was gone. And one time a prophet came and said, Samson, run for your life. You're laying in the lap of Delilah. Run for your life! The enemy is coming. The battle is being centered at the return of the year. The devil will be back, and for some of you, the return of the year is upon you. And you might be looking back, saying, "Man, I wish Brother Aaron would have preached this after camp." But it's not too late. It's not too late. And I'm telling you, some of you are coming down that mountainside and you'll be in the valley. But we need to learn to know about God right now while you're on the mountain. Strengthen yourself. But I want to tell you something. You need to learn that the God that is on the mountain, the God of the mountain, is still God in the valley. The God of camp is the God of of your house. Is the God of your work. Is the God of school. He's not the God of just a campground. He's not the God of church service. He's the God of a heart. He's the God of a being. He's the God of your vessel. Oh, that devil's talking trash and saying things about you. He said, oh, he's the God of the mountain. But I want you young people to demonstrate that he's God of the valley. Because he said he'd be with you and even in you. And he'll be with you and he has already overcome. Recognize greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Strengthen yourself now. Do it now. I cry to you. Strengthen yourself now in the time of revival. Prepare for the temptation now. Don't prepare blindly thinking it's all going to be rosy. I speak as one who's been that way. Don't go the wrong way. Strengthen yourself now. And as you come down this mountainside into the valley. As I've said, as the musicians would make their way. You're coming down that mountain into the plains. Right into a valley. And the God of the mountain is still God in the valley. The devil might want to think that, but he is. And in Genesis chapter 14 verse 17. Abraham had just returned from a battle. Returning from a great battle and a great war.
0: Maybe you could play peace like a river. Sing that. Love like a mountain, just thinking of coming down that mountain.
1: Abraham's returning from a slaughter. He comes down after this victory. Comes walking. And he finds them in the valley of Shiva. Shiva. And Abraham in this valley, it actually means the Valley of the Plains, is coming. He's tired. He's just had a great victory. And there in the valley, who is it that comes to meet him? Melchizedek, the King of Salem. Weary from battle, returning from the slaughter, there was God to meet him and to minister to him. And I say the same God that met you And changed your life Can meet you in your valley And can meet you in your plains Tonight if you've managed to slip back a little bit Settle it tonight Settle it tonight Just say you know what You humble yourself before God You ask for forgiveness You realize you know what This isn't a cycle Uh. -uh. There's no U-turns There's no going back I'm picking myself back up You ask God to forgive you. And you say, oh, I'm going to keep going. And you young people who've experienced the power of God, you say, Brother Aaron, haven't started fighting yet. You will. Strengthen yourself. Go strengthen yourself. This is how you break the cycle. You break the cycle, then you get into a, a new one. You know what that cycle is? It's not up and down. It's higher, higher. Higher, higher, higher. Keep going higher. You keep ascending. You keep raising. You keep getting lifted. You keep getting raptured. Young people, strengthen yourself. I say tonight, call upon God. Give me strength in my bones. Give me breath, Lord. Give me energy. Let me fight this fight. Don't let this fire go out. Not in three months. Not in two months. Lord, never let this fire go out. Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen me. Strengthen these hands. Give me wisdom. Lord, give me strength for the battle. For at the return of the year, Satan will be back. And you'll be in that cleft of the rock. You say, Let your fire fall. Oh, hallelujah. As you're on this mountaintop, just ask for that presence to come. Oh, peace, love her
2: love like a mountain, your spirit, is glory and joy like a mountain. In healing stream of life. Holy Spirit. Let your
1: fire fall. Just want you to think for a moment. Peace like a river. You say, Well, Brother Aaron, I, I've been feeling more peace than I ever have in my life. Love like a mountain, this is as high as it gets, right? Wind of the Spirit, man, it's been blowing stronger than it's ever blown before. Oh, I got it bubbling, brother, and bubbling, bubbling, bubbling down in my soul. I got the joy of the Lord. Say, oh, I, 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 i felt that healing stream of life. You know what? Say, let the fire fall, consume me yet again, Lord. Burn every evil desire out of me. Every, every fault, every insecurity. Everything, anything that's displeasing to you Lord, you've begun to work in me Finish the work That should be the cry of Finish the work Oh, I just, I just feel to share this with you About Moses And how the servant of the Lord Had walked with God for so long He had seen miracle after miracle After miracle He'd been at the burning bush Seen the pillar of fire the glory of the Lord was actually manifest on Moses' countenance. The people knew he'd seen God. But yet we find Moses coming to the end of his ministry. Through all those years. And he gets down. And he says, Lord. I beseech thee. Show me your glory. Through all those years, this weary, worn servant. Still wanted More show me your glory let me see it Lord I'm not satisfied with miracles I'm not satisfied with things in a day gone by right now Lord show me your glory oh that should be the cry of our hearts it doesn't matter if you've been in this message 40 something years you should be saying Lord show me your glory let me see your glory let me see you clearly let me see you without distraction Oh, the cry of our heart! Let me see your glory. Oh, I just beseech you, all of you, to not take lightly what God is doing in your midst, for it is a true move of God. God is vindicating it. God is showing himself to be real. The presence of Christ is among you, as it was prophesied by Malachi 4, 5. Strengthen yourself. Strengthen yourself. Take it all in. Feed on it. Feed on it. Absorb every ounce of it. For there's coming a showdown for the bride, and you want to be prepared for it. Well, let's just sing that peace like a river. Then peace, just worship the Lord in your
2: own way. Oh, and love, oh lift us up, Lord. The way. strength open oh come oh say come Holy Spirit tonight let your fire fall fire. oh peace like a river let's just lift our hands oh peace let it fall Lord like a flame tonight
1: Lord consume us oh help us Lord those of us who have gone down in that valley
2: that Give us strength tonight in the inner man. Of your spirit is love.
1: Lord, We just have confidence in the leadership of the Holy Spirit That maybe by your grace just saw Where some of us were at tonight, Lord Lord, I know that there's some young people Who've slipped a little bit May this be their hour of redemption and salvation, Lord May this be the time where they pick themselves back up And dust themselves off and Say, Lord, I'm humbly back I'll serve you the rest of my life All the days of my life Lord, it may be a time of restoration for some Brothers, Lord, may they heed this warning to strengthen themselves. Because we know the enemy will be upon them. Sometimes, Lord, it's our parents and the more senior ministry that can see it around the corner. And, Lord, they know what's happening. They can see it coming. And they try to get us to see it. But, but blindly, Lord, we get caught up in what's happened that we don't see what's happening. Lord, I pray for these young people. That they'd rise above every challenge. They'd stick close together and withstand the attack of the enemy. That they'd strengthen themselves now. According to your word. That they could be the powerhouse of your spirit. God on two feet. They would demonstrate as young peoples. Paul told Timothy, you be the example of the believer. I ask that they would just hear your voice tonight to strengthen themselves. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To continue to worship you. May you deal with our hearts, Father. Grant it, Lord. We pray for we love you, and we're so dependent upon you, Father. Hear our cry, Lord. Let the fire fall. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's sing it again. Peace like a river, and peace
2: Peace like a a river.